Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the VIP Ignite Podcast. I'm your host, Deneen White. Tonight, I am very excited to host Gary Alexander Jenkins on the podcast. He is going to light the podcast on fire with his stories and his energy. Hi, Gary. How are you tonight? Oh, I'm wonderful. Thank you. How's everyone? Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me tonight. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. I have to tell you, this is the first time in a long time I've been a little bit nervous to do a podcast, so. <laughs> so, um, so, can you start by telling my audience a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'll try and keep it brief. Brief. I'm an entertainment lawyer, so we often uh, think we get paid by the word, but I'll try and scale it down so I don't take up all your time. <laughs> My name is Gary Alexander Jenkins. Uh, I'm an entertainment attorney. I uh, went to Princeton University where I was friends with uh, ex-First Lady Michelle Obama. I brag about that. We didn't know she'd be so famous back then, but she was a dear friend. Uh, after I finished Princeton, I went to Columbia Law School. And um, after that, I uh, embarked on my career in entertainment law. I worked in a firm, a very prestigious firm, but I found it wasn't my cup of tea, so to speak. I always was creative. I wrote songs. I grew up, I was 17 in the era of hip, when hip-hop first started in 79 and 80, and I knew I had to find a way to make a living doing something I loved, and music and film and TV is my niche. So for the last uh, 30, I guess 33 years almost, I've been doing this uh, entertainment thing, and it's been a great joy. I represent some of the biggest names in hip-hop and R&B and pop music, Chief among them is my son, Sean Combs, who I met when I was the general manager of Uptown Records, which um, had Mary J. Blige, Jodeci, Heavy D, Late Great Heavy D. And um, we had a lot of wonderful synergies that happened in my career, and I just love every day. It's great. Um, I have a passionate life, and I wouldn't change it for the world. So that's the synopsis. That's awesome. So um, how did you decide to get into law to start with? Well, the law came about because of my mother. Um, I have a brother who's a doctor, and my mother, when I was about four, my brother was about 11, she would introduce us as, this is my son, the doctor, and point to my brother, and this is my son, the lawyer, and point to me. So I've been hearing all my life that I was going to be an an attorney, and um, I'm proud to say that I was able to make it. That's awesome. That's so cool. So what is it like working with some of the biggest names in entertainment? Very difficult. Um, <laughs> the main problem you have is it's very difficult. As an attorney, one of my main jobs is to give advice and to help people make the right decisions. But it's very hard to give someone advice who makes oh. more money than you. So um, <laughs> That's true. Oftentimes, it's kind of like the NBA coaches. They have a hard time seeing these young kids because, you know, these kids make a lot of money. So my goal is to try and help them be the best that they can be and to try and help them avoid some of the pitfalls that you read about. And sadly, 
I'm successful half the time. Other times I'm not successful. But the biggest stress is trying to help these kids when they're finished performing and their run is over because all runs end. You want to make sure they have some money left. You want to make sure that they haven't gotten any legal jeopardy, that they can have something to reflect on in their old age from their wonderful career that they have. Now, how do you guide them through that process? Because I know no one really believes that their run is ever going to end. So how do you guide them through that process? Uh, you don't because no one believes it's going to end. And um, I've been around long enough. <laughs> I've been around long enough to tell people, you know, I'll give you a great example. Uh, MC Hammer, when he had Please Hammer, Don't Hurt Him, was the biggest artist in the world. Um, mm-hmm. He generated over $200 million in revenue. And um, he was just on top of the world. And his payroll was also gargantuan. He was paying people thirty, forty thousand just to a shiny shoes and carry his clothes around. And I once wow. told him, I said, you know, Hammer, if your next album doesn't perform up to this level, and it's hard to think any album would be a thriller or would be, um, you know, something of that magnitude, you should try and say something. Well, the next one's going to be bigger than this one. And that's the pride and hubris that the artists have, thinking that their next project will reach the same level. And it, it never does. Uh, the average run yeah. is one, two, maybe three albums. That's why people like L.O. Cool J, who've had ten albums, people like Too Short, people like Ice T, Ice Cube, Dr. J, to have a 20-year career in our business is almost impossible. But um, I try and tell them, and you go ahead and give them the morality tales of things that happen when the money runs out, but they think they're one record away from being hot forever. So it doesn't really work that way. But you do the best you can. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I work with talent that's much, much, much greener than the talent that you work with, but I find, too, sometimes, like, you give them advice, and they're like, oh, no, that's not true for me. It's true for everyone else, but it's not true for me. So I guess yeah, they always maybe think, think that they're the exception. They yeah, think the exception, not the rule. But the one thing you can't, yeah. there's one individual who is undefeated in our business. Father Time. Father Time is undefeated. Okay. I'll give you an example. When I was growing up in hip-hop 20 years ago, everybody wore baggy pants and Timberlands. Now, if I dress like the young rappers of the day, I look ridiculous with uh, skinny leg tight jeans that I can't fit my chubby butt in. So, you know, no matter what happens, time is going to get you. And when you were hot in 94, I promise you, you will not be hot in 2004 because there's a new style, there's a new thing coming. Young people are so creative. Young people are so talented. They're going to change the world every generation. So there's no way you can stay relevant forever. The key is the transition. You look at L.O. Couture, who I worked for in the 90s. He's a TV star. Some people don't even know that he's a rapper. He's known mostly for NCIS. Yeah. So if you and Ice-T, you don't even know he was a, a groundbreaking rapper in the 90s. He's, only, he's a TV star now, a movie star now. And I think that that is the key to reinvent yourself, find other means of income, other means to exploit your talent and to diversify. Yeah, definitely. It's so funny you mentioned those guys. When I look at them, I feel like I'm back in high school. I don't feel like I'm um, 43 years old watching television. <laughs> I'm like, I remember when. Well, so, I'll tell you, it's funny because one of my interns 
said to me, wow, you know, Ice Cube is a great actor. I saw Are We There Yet in the movies. Um, I said, yeah, he's a great rapper. I said, oh, he doesn't rap. I said, excuse me, um, go watch the uh, movie that comes out. And at that time, the baby movie came out. And the interns were like, my God, he was a good rapper too. I'm like, yeah, he was. And, uh, you know, but he just uh, turned, he flipped the switch and, and uh, became very popular in another genre. And that's the key to trying to be successful. If you can flip the switch a little bit and change your approach, um, talent knows no bounds. And people don't know how talented they are until they get into it. I mean, you know, if you can write a rap song, you can probably write um, a good play. If you can uh, write a good ballad or sing a good ballad, you might be able to, um, you know, do anything that makes money in a creative sphere. I look at one of my favorite um, artists, Everlast. He used to be the lead rapper for House of Pain. Everlast mm-hmm. is a country singer now, you know, and people don't even realize he had two careers. He had one as the head of House of Pain, who made Jump Around, and then he mm-hmm. became a country singer and sold more records as a country singer than he did as a rapper. He lost the gold piece, put on the straw hat, corncob pipe, and changed genres. That's a great example of staying relevant. I knew, I didn't even realize that. I like him in both um I like him in both genres. I didn't realize it was that he crossed over. That's awesome. So He's talented. And, um, Everlast is talented. Yeah. And before that, he was like an MC Hammer. He was the white MC Hammer dancing in balloon pants to fast records. Look at the old videos of Everlast before he went hardcore with House of Pain. Now, that's somebody that could be a chameleon and change their approach and be successful at it. Everybody can't do that, except old rock acts. If you look at the rock and roll acts, my goodness, mm-hmm. they've been going for 40, 50 years. They're going to have to wheel Keith Richards and uh, Mick Jagger out in a wheelchair for their next tour in 10 years. These guys keep going, just like the Grateful Dead. They, Even though Jerry mm-hmm. Garcia passed away, they keep going because they have a fine, their crowd, the, the uh, rock and roll crowd is different than the urban music crowd or pop music crowd. Kiss, look yeah. at the movie Bohemian Rhapsody that's still going out with Queen. People who follow rock guys and love rock and roll just want the same product Year after year, pop and hip hop is yeah. a great amount of fluidity, and it changes. You know, I mean, um, you're going to see the Who, you're going to see Rolling Stones. They're going to play forever until they can't play anymore, and that's why on the rock yeah. side they can stay in business for so long. Yeah. So, what kind of evolution since if you work with a lot of hip hop artists? What evolutions have you seen in hip hop? Like, what has changed, and how how can they keep how can they keep changing? the scene of music and just keep producing so much music. Well, here's the thing. Um, hip-hop is, is created, it was created back in the 70s. People don't know that the first hip-hop record was a song called King Tim III by a group called the Fatback Band. Blondie made a record later called Rapture, and it really took off from there in the mid-70s to late-70s and became this juggernaut where it is today. The key for what they're doing now, and as I said, I can't keep up with every trend I can't wear the tight mm-hmm. pants and the skinny pants. I, my A, my money knot won't fit, and I can't walk properly. So the key <laughs> with the hip-hop now, what they're doing is creating this um, genre that you can't imitate that's brand new. The South has come about and taken over the business. They call it mumble rap, but I don't disparage it. I call it the next big thing. 
you listen to Migos, who have a residency in Las Vegas, you know, they are huge stars, and nobody saw it coming. You look at my client, Waka Flocka, he's doing EDM now. So he's transitioned from being a trap turn-up god into this EDM thing, and he's making more money doing EDM with Diplo, Skrillex, and Aoki than he was doing the rap stuff. So he's transitioned, much like Everlaster. So um, the key okay. now is what they're doing is they're taking different music, they're, they're making it work. I was on the front end of the first big Southern Invasion. Uh, my team and I produced Whoop There It Is by 95 South, and we did Tootsie Roll by 69 Boys. Yeah. So those records were the first records from the South that infiltrated the Northern playlist and became huge records down south at the college parties. So I see the same thing now. The South is really doing it big. Um, people like Kodak Black from Miami, really big. Um, and, of course, the superstar is Drake, who had a TV mm-hmm. career as, uh, on Nickelodeon who uh, was just taking over with him and this whole OBO team. Party over here. Um, yes, this whole team is, is nuts the weekend. So I think the, the good news is I don't understand everything, but I can appreciate the creativity of what they're doing. Yeah, that's awesome. So how do you think, um, like 10 or 15 years ago, you had to go through a big label in order to get become mainstream how do you think like soundcloud and different things like that and self-producing music is changing the face of music oh my god it's giving the guys and the ladies in the big buildings the heebie-jeebies <laughs> it goes back to the fight that they waged with napster remember a few years back some of you might not maybe 10 years ago napster was a big threat to the music industry what the industry mm-hmm. has done was embrace these kids who were file sharing Take them yeah. in as opposed to attach them. They learned that lesson the hard way when they lost some key revenue. But the thing now is, in the days of having a big studio, like the hit factory in Manhattan, you don't need it. You can make a record in your bathroom because it's digital. Same way of yep. getting yourself heard. Justin Bieber was discovered by putting his own video of him playing the guitar on YouTube, and that started the whole thing. Right now, there's a great time to be an artist. You can get yourself hot with SoundCloud, put your own music up on iTunes, get yourself a YouTube channel, and if it catches spark and you go viral, they come running with bags of cash. And it's a great yeah. time. These, these, what we had to do, like, I also had a great success making a record called Protect Your Neck by the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, what we did with that mm-hmm. was we pressed up CDs, and we literally drove around the hood passing out CDs. Think about that. Okay. The, Wu-Tang began by passing out CDs with a Wu-Tang insignia that said, protect your neck. And they drove through Staten Island, Queens, Brooklyn, Bronx, passing out their CDs, and then it got hot enough where Steve Rifkin from Loud Records gave them $30 million and the rest is history. So imagine if the Wu-Tang Clan had the Internet where they could blast their records out all over the globe, all over the world, and track their success. So to be an artist now is a great thing. It's a great thing because you can be creative, throw it out there, and see who likes it. And if they embrace you and like it, there may be a pot of gold at the end of your rainbow. Yeah. How does that affect how you interact with artists, like the, like the legality of it? How does that affect you? Well, what I try and do is so every artist to copyright their material. 
trademark their material, okay. protect the intellectual property, because you're sending it out for everybody's consumption. And if I can protect it when they come to you and want to pick it up, hey, life is great. Now you get a check. Mm-hmm. If you don't protect it, you don't clear your samples, or you don't do what you should do as far as your legal exposure, then um, the sad part is you might have a big record but never get paid on it. And the key is monetizing okay. the hustle. You have to monetize the hustle. If anybody's paying attention, write this phrase down. Monetize the hustle. That means you have to make sure you're making money on the pursuit of your creative goals. And if you can monetize the hustle, you can keep doing it. So the key is to make sure you have copyright material, make sure you have your publishing company set up, make sure you have an idea where your records are being sold and how they're moving, and then you can make a living at this business. Because after all, it's not just the record business, it's really the business of making records and selling records. Yes, that's true. Now, Wendy, is, is there ever a point where it's too early for someone to have representation? Uh, like no. If you want to be in the record business, the single most investment, most important investment you can make is to have a lawyer. Even if you're thinking about doing it on more than a hobby basis, you need to have an attorney. It's much easier. To, you know, my parents are from the South. My father's from the South. And he used to say all the time that it's okay to close the barn door after the horse runs out, but it doesn't do you any good. You want to make sure yeah. that you have all your ducks in a row before you proceed and get in this, this precarious business. Having a lawyer, even if you just hire somebody just to read your first contract or let you know what's ahead of you as far as what needs to be done, if you can do that, you won't get caught by some of the pitfalls. I'll give you a great example. Yeah. This is a great example. If you write a song that a big guy likes and hears it and says, you know what, I want to put that on my album. Let's say Nicki Minaj. Here's your record and says, I want to put this on my album. Uh, you don't have your record registered with uh, ASCAP, BMI, or CSAC, or one of the performing rights societies, or you haven't gone and done the work to make sure you have full ownership of that product. That record can go on Nikki's album and you don't get paid a nickel. You might get a thank you and a cold glass of champagne at the bar, but you don't get any real money if you don't have yourself protected. So I tell everybody hire a lawyer first thing. Before you drop anything, before you release anything, before you master anything, have a lawyer. Yeah, that's really smart because, I mean, if you're putting all that work and energy into the the writing and the producing and everything, it's it's almost silly to put it out there for people to hear without protecting it because it is your property unless you put it out there for everyone yeah. to hear and you don't have it protected. And the thing is, people often say, well, I can't afford a lawyer. Yes, you can. I've never turned down a single client. If anybody wants to reach me, 646-498-5084. That's 646-498-5084. Email is lawoffices with an S, G-A-J, at gmail.com. That's lawoffices with an S, G-A-J, at gmail.com. I've never turned on a client. If somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm putting out a record. I need you to review a contract. Sometime I'll do it for a bag of White Castle and a cold beer just as I want to help someone not get robbed. And if you get famous, awesome. you'll come back to me and write me a check. But you have to have a lawyer who's going to be in the record business. It's kind of like buying a fancy car and not having a driver's license. We do it that way. Yeah, or not having the insurance and crashing it. Right. Now you're Definitely. on the hook for everything. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. So I have a question for you. If um, Sure. 
this is totally hypothetical. If you lost everything, everything that you had, like your office, everything, and you had 30 days to rebuild, where would you start? First, I get on my knees and ask God to protect me and keep me going to find out why I lost everything. If it's no fault of mine, then um, I don't have that much work to do. But if I did something that resulted in me losing everything, then that means that I have to make some changes in how I adapt and how I live my life. So I'm of the opinion that you got to first take a good personal inventory and find out why you're successful or find out why you're not successful. And if you did something wrong, fix it and don't do it again. The next thing I would do is with music, i got to surround myself with a better team. A lot of people fail because their team is a problem. The people around okay. you are not good. The people around you who you rely on are not skilled enough to get you where you're going. So you got to make sure your team is good. you got to make sure you have a great ability to pick team players and see who is going to be there for you when you need to make the correct move. So take inventory, get a good team together, and then you can uh, figure out how it's going to work from there. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you. I, I think it's really important. I love that you said that you would take personal inventory first because so many people yeah. are like, well, it's this person's fault or that person's fault. But, I mean, everything that we do, we have to take some we have to take some type of personal responsibility for. So I love that you said that. That's awesome. No, it's true. So, because if you, look, if you look in the mirror and you say, this person did me, I heard people say, oh, the industry is shady. This person did me dirty. That person did me dirty. Um, this person robbed me. I look at them and say, no, what happened was you lost. Now, why did you lose? You weren't prepared yeah. to wage the battle. You didn't have a solid team. You didn't have representation. If somebody gets the best of you, you can't blame them. Your game wasn't good enough. Yeah, that's awesome. I, th- I think so many people miss that, and I think so many people miss the value of having a strong team around you. No matter what you do, oh, yeah. you have to have a strong team because if you don't have a strong team, one person can only accomplish so much, but with a team, you can accomplish so much more. Well, that's so brilliant. Look at all the great people, the great labels, OBO, which is great party over here. Um, all these individuals, they have a great team who plays that position mm-hmm. and does what they do. Um, you look at Rock and Rock Nation, well, Jay-Z changed some of his team, but he kept a, a group of people around him. Um, you look at Bad Boy, they had the same group of people for the last 25 years doing what they do. Andre Harrell, who was my mentor at Uptown MCA, is still working closely with Puff. Um, Leo Cohen and Russell Simmons, until, Leo, until Russell resigned, still working close together. Your team is really everything because, as you so correctly point out, nobody can do anything by themselves. Yeah. That's the truth. I mean, you definitely need you need a very strong support team around you, no matter what line of business you're in, to make to be oh, yeah. successful. I mean, that's just. And I, I I hope that everyone listening really understands that. Like, no, even if you're at the beginning of your career, make sure you're surrounding yourself by people who have your best interest at heart and who you can work well with. You have to be really careful about them. Amen. Amen. So, so here's I. You have. I'm sure you have like 10,000 stories that you can share, but can you share one of your favorite stories with us about like just being in the entertainment industry? Sure. I'll be happy to give you one of my favorites. I'll give you a happy one 
and I'll give you a sad one. Okay. One of my my happiest stories is I was at this lousy firm that I didn't like. I had my two Ivy League degrees. I hated the law firm I worked with. And I'm on Martha's Vineyard where my parents had a home. And I was sitting there um, enjoying the beautiful vista and panoramic scenes. There were some beautiful people hanging out. I'm hanging out just wondering about my next step. i got to get in this record business. i got to do it. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I didn't like my life. I felt that I was not pursuing my best life, to quote the song. And then down the block mm-hmm. came Andre Harrell, and I recognized him from reading Billboard. He had just gotten $2 million from NCA. And he stopped me, and he said, hey, man, you know where the parties are tonight? I said, yeah, I'm a DJ. I'm having a party tonight. And I said, Andre. He said, how do you know my name? I said, well, I read Billboard. You just got $2 million, and you got the Heavy D album coming out. And we spent the whole weekend together. And when I left the island that Monday, I went from being unemployed to the director of business affairs for Uptown NCA to the general manager of the company that sold over $100 million records. That's my favorite wow. night story. Um, my saddest story is the night that we lost Biggie. I was out to Peterson Automotive Museum in uh, California. And um, it was a sad time. Um, Pop had been murdered, and um, it was just the energy was bad. They shut the party down because of it was overcrowded. And um, I was sitting with Pop and with Big, and um, they all left the party, and they went outside, and uh, I heard the gunshots, and I heard people screaming, and I poured out the champagne. And I knew that Biggie was probably gone, and uh, my success was right. So that night I lost my friend, someone we started Uptown. People don't really realize that Biggie Smalls was not on Bad Boy first. He was on Uptown Records where he made a song called Party and Bullshit. I don't know if I can say that on the podcast. But Party and BS, which is from the Who's the Man soundtrack. That was his first record. And that's what he did was he just appeared on the Mary J. Blige, Real Love. And that started his career. So I knew Chris was a young man. When Puffy first brought him up to Uptown. So those are two stories. I can sit down over a cold beer and tell you a million stories, but those are two that I tell people to show the good and the bad of our business. Well, the next time in, I'm in New York, I'm going to hold you to the cold beer and the stories. As long as you're buying, I'll be there all night. Um, I'll make sure I I'll make sure I have VIP Ignite's um, credit card, and you and I will sit there and we'll talk all night. It'll be awesome. <laughs> Well, when I Michael hears that, he's going to be like, Denise. <laughs> Denise, I enjoyed you. I enjoyed you at the VIP. Oh, VIP is one of the best events. If you can go here within the earshot of my voice, go, go, go. You'll make contacts. You'll meet people. It will advance your career. Go be there. It's an honor to be on the podcast. Um, I'm happy that you asked me. and I'm even more happy that I was able to fit you in because I wouldn't miss it for the world. And um, everyone, if you have a problem or question about the business, hit up your knees. She can hit me anytime. I gave you my information, my digits, but it's a pleasure and an honor to be on the podcast with you, and I would love to do it again if you need me. Just let me know, and I'll, I'll be there in a jiffy. Yeah, I would definitely love to have you on again, Gary. It was a, it's an absolute honor for me, too. Like I was telling you, like I've, been, I've done like almost 100 of these now, and this is the first time in probably like 75 podcasts. I was like, I'm so nervous. So thank you so much. Oh, I really appreciate your time. I'm, I'm an easy guy. <laughs> Listen. My life is great. Understand why my life is great. I'll leave this to everybody out there. It all starts with a dream. Um, I wanted to be yeah. in the record business. I was a DJ in college, a DJ in law school. I met Andre Hill on the Vineyard, Martha's Vineyard, and I started my, my, my life. 
I've had over 20 platinum records from various artists that I produced, represented, or had some other involvement with. My biggest album was Kaya, My Neck, My Back, from the album Slug Missus in 2001, sold a million records. And we did that out of the trunk as well before the internet really got popular. So the key is, and I want to leave it with everybody, dream, dream, dream. No one knows they're going to be a star, but everybody who is a star started with a dream. And when someone tells you you can't do it or you're not able to do it, they don't know. What they're probably doing is giving you a little glimpse of their own life that they haven't pursued their dream. You want to find somebody miserable? Find somebody that gave up their dream. Keep your dream. Work hard at it. And like I said at the VIP conference, one of my favorite rap songs is Nas, who says, I know I can see somebody. I know I can make it. If I work hard for it, I can be that person I want to be. Never give up your dreams. Have a wonderful holiday. Be a Hanukkah, Christmas, Kwanzaa, and a happy new year. And it's been an honor. Keep your dreams up and go hard for it, and you'll get it. You too. Thank you so much, Gary. I really appreciate your time, and I'll definitely be in contact so we can maybe do this again after the new year. Anytime you like it, it's a wonderful blessing to be here with you. God bless everybody. Take care. God bless you. Have a great holiday season. Happy holidays. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, if you enjoyed our conversation this evening, make sure that you subscribe to the VIP Ignite podcast. We can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere that podcasts are found. And if you are interested in attending a live VIP Ignite event where you can meet people like Gary Alexander Jenkins, please go to our website at ammsociety.com where you can get registered for our next live webinar and where you can get qualified to go to our event in Los Angeles. As always, thank you so much and have a great evening.